Welcome to Nerds the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. And I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we're going to be reviewing one of my picks. So it's going to be a good one. Although, apparently, I like Dwayne's picks better than he does. I give them higher grades. (laughs) (laughs) But we're going to be reviewing A Quiet Place. And this is another one of those movies that slipped by me. And so... Um, when we had to fill a bunch of holes because the, thanks to coronavirus, there is no news. <laughs> and so all those news slots on the schedule are now becoming like movies that got by us or by one or you know two of us. And I'm just slowly discovering there's a lot of good movies that got by me. And so, um, but before we get into A Quiet Place, and it's time to keep it 100. <laughs> It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. Uh, Dwayne, why don't you kick us off, man? Okay, we'll do that. Now, with the with the coronavirus <laughs> happening, we've had a little bit of time to get into some other things. So a lot of times I come forward with a podcast or some music news. This week, I'm going to talk about a movie from 2000. It was a made-for-TV movie. But it was phenomenal. It was awesome. It's called Traffic. It has Michael Douglas, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Don Shedell, Benicio Del Toro, Clifton Collins Jr., um, Miguel Ferreira, Dennis Quaid. It's about drug smuggling. You have uh, going between Mexico, the United States. You have the drug czar. You've got the drug cartels at war. This movie is so deep. Now, it's a long watch. Topher Grace is in this thing, and he actually does good. But, yeah, so that's going to be my recommendation is is Traffic. If you can catch it, catch it. It's a great movie. Yeah, drug smuggling, that old chestnut. <laughs> oh, it's so good, though. And the cast, I mean, for a made-for-TV movie, the cast just blew me Was away. it a made-for-TV movie? I think it came on USA Network, or it was made by USA Network. I know it may have. Okay. Well, when you when you said that, I thought for sure you were going to say Nick Fury, Agent of Shield, with David Hasselhoff. <laughs> I just watched that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sammy, we'll come to your keeping one hundred in a minute. <laughs> that better not be it. <laughs> with that statement, buddy, you're being moved to the back of the line. All right, I've got a weird one this week, too. All right, um, it's a weird one, but it's not uh, out of my wheelhouse. Um, I'm pitching free comics this week. That's my keeping it 100. Um, I work in the medical industry, so um, I've not had an extra day off <laughs> during all of this stuff. But a lot of people are trapped at home, and you're stuck. You've got a lot of time on your hands. And maybe like with all of the the superhero movies and a lot of things that you don't know were comic books are now movies like The Kitchen. I mean, there's a lot of things that are from comic books that are now into lots of media. Well, during this process, like Comixology has a, a, a program that's called Unlimited, just Comixology Unlimited. They've made their free trial period 60 days now. And so if you've ever been curious about digging into comic books, if the medium's ever intrigued you, uh, this is a great time to start. Uh, Marvel Unlimited has changed how their app works a little bit. And they're, they've thrown in a bunch of like famous event comics, a lot of famous runs of stuff, just into the app for free. So you don't have to have a login. If you just have the app, you will have a ton of Marvel comics. And so my recommendation, my, my Keep It 100 this week is free comics. Awesome. All right. Yeah, I'm no, always, always good at free comics, so. Yeah, I know a lot of uh, your apps and uh, and subscription stuff are giving some free free time away. So yeah, just uh, check out that those sort of things. Sammy, if you can behave yourself, <laughs> Nick Fury. <laughs> hey, you, you guys got to see some of the uh, the quotes from that the other night. Um, I know you were enjoying it. All right, but no, Nick Fury is not my keep it one hundred. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for my keeping it 100, uh, I chose the book Becoming Superman by J. Michael Straczynski. And this is JMS's autobiography. And it is 
it's really powerful. I really don't know any other way to say it. Um, this is probably in my top five as of right now books that I've read. Uh, he shares events that move you to tears. And sometimes you don't know if you want to laugh or you want to cry. You know, when he refers to his teacher as Sister Mary Fisticuffs, because she hits him so hard that his ears ring and you want to laugh, but then you feel bad because of this kid. Um, it's really a good reminder that everyone has a story and sometimes it's not always pretty. Uh, Straczynski has a wonderful writer's voice. It's very engaging, very warm. And, you know, I really wasn't aware just how much of my childhood had his stamp on it. Uh, Masters of the Universe cartoon, the real Ghostbusters, uh, all of those types of things were a lot of his early television work. So whether you're a fan of, of Straczynski or not, this novel is a true testament to the power of following your dreams and not giving up. And that's why it's my keeping it 100. Sounds like a great recommendation. Uh, and yeah. Sammy, since, since you were able to behave yourself and uh, <laughs> not go down the, uh, the road I was fearing you would travel down, why don't you lead off with your thought and grade of this awesome movie? Okay. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, A Quiet Place was one of those movies, and we've talked about this, that sometimes fly under our radar. You know, uh, I didn't see this in the theater. This was one of those that I rented to be able to watch it the first time. And I think part of it was because of John Krasinski. Um, I had a really tough time seeing him in an action role or in a dramatic role. He was just Jim. Okay. And, and but I think much like Abraham Lincoln, you add a beard and you get a totally new person. <laughs> you know? So um, this movie really came out as a surprise. Um, I think it elevates the horror suspense genre to a new level. It does some things that, that maybe suspense and horror have not done in the past. But I think it also has those old twists like we would see in episodes of Tales from the Crypt or Twilight Zone, those, those little twists that occur in the plot. Um, I really enjoyed this movie, though, so I'm going to give it an A+. Okay. Well, Nate, well I'll, I'll go next. I know this was uh, Jamie's pick, so we'll let him bring up the rear here. Um, I'll go next. Yeah, this movie came out in 2018, just a few short years ago. And, you know, with this... John Krasinski coming from the office. Now I'm probably the only person on the show or that listens to the show that has no experience with the office. So I really never knew. Guess what's who, going on the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew who, who this guy was. Uh, I, I knew kind of the, the memes and the things from the office. So I knew it was a silly and this, and this great cool thing, but I just never got into it. Uh, him directing this movie kind of, like, well, that's neat. You know, actor directors are kind of, you know, they can either really excel or really, really stink. Um, Emily Blunt's phenomenal. Uh, you know, the other cast is mainly just, just the children. But, yeah, this being a suspense kind of scary movie is not really my wheelhouse. It's not something that I seek after. I love suspense movies. I don't like scary movies just because of the gore. But this, thank goodness, isn't that. But this movie is super heavy on the suspense. Uh before I say any more, I'm just going to go ahead and give my grade and then pass it to Jamie because I'm going to get into my to my fans here. And if I keep talking, uh, <laughs> I think this is super well directed. I think this is super well acted. I think it's super well produced. I'm going to give this an A plus as well. If you had given it a B, I was going to start a riot. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, I'm I'm going last. Um, and I, I didn't pick this one because of any like history with the movie. I'd never seen it before. Um, and so like, I expected it to be good because I'd heard so much, you know, about it, like how good it was. Um, but like, I got taken it immediately. Like, and I love like the, the premise of what I mentally refer to as the daredevil monsters. <laughs> they can't see, but their hearing's great. Um, <laughs> so I love, I love the premise of that. The, the setup. Like the uh, for the whole world, well, the way the world is now, and the drama of the situation, the premise is the design of these monsters. It's the mm -hmm. it creates the tension, but it also creates like the whole setup of the the family dramas. I love the whole premise there, 
Um, it's and it, it's such a fascinating situation that they get put in, and the way everybody's handling, you know, the the you know nationwide, worldwide trauma, but also their personal trauma. It's so fascinating. I, I thought it was emotionally powerful due to that. Um, the the little bit of effects they do. <laughs> There's some scenes where it's better than others. Um, the cast is great. Even the the kid. We've hit a cu- couple of movies now with great kid act, you know, child actors in it. Oh, this, this is, is a strong for that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to A plus two guys. Oh, uh, the Ring of Honor. Finally, it's been a while. It's been a while since we've had one. Yeah, Made in the Ring of I Honor. So that's why. Really great. Well, <clears throat> sometimes it's just more fun to pick a fight <laughs> to be right. <laughs> We may have to re-review Winter Soldier to see. Uh, maybe not have Dwayne on that episode. If that would <laughs> I, I think. I think since Dwayne has that jazz goatee, he's starting to really going into the. I'm thinking hard about things, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get more specific, guys. Let's t- let's t- take some time and get our fans out. Sammy, what's your what's your fan? Okay, you know I've got two really big fans in this, um, but I think the one I'm going to use is I love the tension in this movie. Uh, right from the beginning, right from the beginning, you get the idea that they're not pulling punches. Mm-hmm. Anything can happen. You know, very rarely do we see kids get, you know. <laughs> In a movie, right? You don't see this often. People try to stray away from this because it's off-putting. But to have the youngest child right at the beginning, you know, right? So there's this feeling that the creatures are ever-present, that they're just right around the corner, that they're hovering around at all times. Mm -hmm. And I think even before we get to the big climactic parts of the movie, you feel that every action that the Abbott family takes is warranted. You know, you feel the danger and the tension before you ever get to the action parts of this. So that's probably my biggest fan with this movie. Yeah. Yeah. That was number one on my list. (laughs) 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 Um, But I've got another one. Um, But you're right. This movie's a pressure cooker, man. And it just keeps getting dialed up. I mean, for, from beginning to end, I it's mean, exhausting. It's just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you feel their fear even before you ever see a creature, you know? So I don't think my body relaxed from the moment her water breaks until they roll the credits. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty rough. Yeah. 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 Um, that's a pretty rough stretch there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's intense. Uh, yeah, so that's why that was my number one. Um, so my number two <laughs> <down> the list, <laughs> um, is, is the family dynamic. Um, because it's mm-hmm. not just this normal sort of loving family that got thrown into a bad situation. Um, there's some things we don't normally see. Um, these are a happily married couple. We don't often see that in movies. Um, you, most, most couples we see in movies aren't married. And if they are married, they are required by Hollywood law to be incredibly dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Um, and despite the family trauma, these people clearly love each other and they're committed to each other and they get along. <laughs> I mean, not that, not that a fight would go well with the daredevil aliens around, but, um, <laughs> but, but the loss of the child, we don't see that very often. And the way that hangs over everybody, the, the daughter who was, I mean, it was a, you know, a childish mistake, but she feels at fault and she did have a role to play in her brother's death and the, and the way that it affects her and the way that impacts the decisions she makes and the way that it messes, I keep, I can't not call him Jim, <laughs> the, way <it> messes, <laughs> the way it messes up her dad, you know, because he's clearly still loves his daughter because we see early in the movie, him in his workshop making those uh, hearing aids for her. Yeah, yeah. Clearly he loves his daughter. He's going, you know, every, everything he could do, but he still is emotionally damaged. From, from the from the way that that went down and the kids here are both unique they they've handled the the monsters differently um the responses are different um and then when the first time 
we see that Emily Blunt is pregnant. I'm like, oh my gosh, how is this gonna go? <laughs> How's this gonna work out? Yeah. Yep. And but also like even like the the, the scene where like where they're dancing together, and they're clearly they're, there's that mixture of emotion you can see in their faces and their movements. Like they're 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 excited about bringing a new life into the world, but there's also that low lying terror of what that new life. What what complications that's going to bring? I yeah, mean, yeah. It, the family dynamic in this movie is just—it's incredible. Yeah, and they do. You know, the, these filmmakers give us a family and characters we truly care about. I mean, really, it just—it hits you right away. Yeah, yeah and, and you that, have to have those relationships. You, know, you have to have that love and bond, and them working together you know, to, to have the weight of the things that happen, you know, even early on with, with, with the youngest son being, being taken, you know, killed. Um, and, you know, as things ramp up at the end, the emotional impacts, the punches that we, that we truly feel through this movie. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I mean, it was, it was so good. Like even small moments, cause like you clearly see the younger son is struggling with anxiety and his fear mm-hmm. And is struggling to interact with the world. Like he doesn't ever want to leave their house. And by the end of the movie, when he's doing brave things, like I just, I felt so, I was so excited. I want a fist pump. You know, I wanted, I was so proud of the kid. You know, he's a fictional character, you know, (laughs) but I was so proud of him, you know. And think about it. I mean, probably the first 45 minutes of this movie, it's almost nonverbal. I mean, it's very much sign language, it's very much whisper. But we still get that emotional impact and care about these people. So, yeah. Yeah. Most uh, definitely. Oh, my fan. Well, of course, you know, I'm, I'm the, uh, the music fan and the editor here of the podcast. Oh, the sound design of this movie, how every little noise, every little step, you're on edge. You know, from, from walking in the sand to when they go to uh, the daughter, the deaf daughter's point of view. You know, it, you hear that, you know, of nothingness that, that represents her deafness. Um, you you know, the, the whispers and the, you know, we were talking earlier about them playing Monopoly, you know, with, with soft pieces instead of the metal pieces clanking on the board. Every sound is accounted for. And, you know, the, the thing with, with making movies, if you've looked into any behind-the-scenes thing, this is a huge addition to production because on set, you've got people wrestling around making sure things are in their place, you know, even though they call quiet on the set. You've got sometimes fans or electric lights or generators and things. So all of this stuff has to be accounted for and added in later. So the sound design uh, team that done this. I mean, these guys should have gotten an Emmy or an Oscar or something because it is just so intense how every little noise is attention. Every little movement is a potential, you know, triggering of these, you know, like you said, I love what you said about the monsters right around the corner. They're right there. Yeah. So yeah, the sound of this movie, you know, a quiet place, every sound has such a weight to it. Really and I thought, and I thought too, the um, where there was so much silence in the movie, that the few instances there were there, there was music. It was a pretty subtle score, but whenever mm-hmm. it did show up, it was really good, and it kind of mm-hmm. gave it a chance to shine even more. Yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah, it wasn't fighting, you know, to to have you know with explosions and different things, you know, to find a place. But the music, and it was a really quiet movie as far as the score goes. But the music has a weight. When you even get that, you know, it has an yeah. emotion. Yeah, it really carries. That's that's mine. Yeah, well, I agree entirely with what you guys said. Well, Dwayne, you were talking about with music, you know, the rests in a piece of music are just important as the notes Yeah, for dramatic emphasis and things like that. Yeah. So, you know, we get our sounds and our silences within this movie that builds our suspense, that that kind of ties it all together. So, the yeah. heaviest, yeah, the heaviest songs have, you know, their silence, which makes mm-hmm. the music coming back in that much more impactful. You know, yeah. it's that, it's that breath that you hold. Yeah. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. 
Well, any more pans we want to bring light to guys before we uh, before we speak on uh, any negatives on this thing? Maybe. I've got, I've got one. It's not I've, most of one. I've, I've got one. Okay. Well, let's go grab some small pans from the kitchen, man. Shh. All right, well, I'm first on pan, and my pan isn't even a real pan. Um, it's kind of a uh, skillet, maybe. Is it skillet or smaller than pans? I don't do a lot of cooking. Um, <laughs> I'm, I've got one, but I'm even, I'm even conflicted on it. Um, part of me really wants to know more about the monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, are they aliens, or are they some other kind of monster? We open a, you know, some rift in the multiverse or something like we don't know what they are where they came from um but i'm torn about that because the mystery of them makes them even scarier you know because we don't know anything except the current situation and so like there's like half of my brain is like okay i gotta know more where are they from like what all can they do like how intelligent are they was there a ship i mean how does this work another problem like knows Maybe they'd be less scary if I knew more. Yeah, if we knew more, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So they, yeah. they came from the upside down. <laughs> <laughs> they are very Demogorgon esque. They they were very Demogorgon esque. I guess you know we say with they with not having eyes, but I, I love how their whole head opened up as as like just one big hearing membrane. You know that was that was pretty wild. Um, I'm mixed up on the on the pans here, and I'm with Jamie. I don't have a big one, and it and mine is just along the exact same lines. Where did the monsters come from? But is it really something I need to know? You know, is are they yeah, exactly are they aliens? Are they from something else? But you know, I know we see the old man and the old woman in the woods. Uh, you know, before he you know suicide screams himself. You know, what's up with the other people? Are they not able to reach out over radio or CB or something and, and maybe make contact with some other people? Are they the last people on Earth, quote unquote, or are they just the last people in this region? Um, you know, uh, it, it's neat, though, because, you know, they don't answer it and it's that much more suspenseful. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still that part of my brain's kind of wondering where, where is everyone? Yeah, so that's that's really my only pan as well. You know, what what's a little bit more fleshed out of the situation here. But I don't know that that would help the story either. I'm with you, Jamie. I don't know if it would help or hurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we'll see Quiet Place 2 when it finally releases, right? <laughs> if, if it finally releases. Yeah, well, whenever it finally releases. So maybe it Quiet hasn't been rescheduled yet. Oh, okay. It's still sitting on an August release date. Um, how could they? How could they make a sequel to this thing? It's, I don't know. It's I, how I, could I, you? How could you top it? And the whole I mean, time I was watching this, I was thinking the same thing. It's like, how do you do a sequel to this? I mean, leave it alone. All right. They got they got Jim to come back. I mean, John to come back and write and direct it though. So yeah, yeah. same brain. So I mean, yeah. it gives me some hope. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so I think for my pan and and. I don't know. I love the suspense. I think I liked it better when the creatures were not fully shown. I mean, I know you have to for the plot and for the the twist at the end and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think the design of the creature was that great. It felt very amalgamized, like it was Pumpkinhead's body on, you know, <laughs> with, with almost like a like a similar to a Demogorgon type of head, but. I didn't, you know, the only thing that was distracting was I didn't like the way its head opened up and kind of multi-faceted. I thought that was real distracting. I get the idea that it opens to collect sound, but to me that should be more uniform instead of this, you know, almost like, like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I've been trying to figure out how to describe this since I wrote this note out. It's it's head opening up is almost like a fly's eye with all the little multifacets. But yeah, you, it's just but, like a multitude. It's like a multi. But, but that, the, the way that it almost had had different sections and it would open here and there, and I just thought that was well. That's when it's turning right or turning left. It's like, it's like, it's like it's like it's like it's on the snow speed. Like, <laughs> turn right, turn left. 
See that that really worked for me though, because it ooped me uh-huh. out because it it looks wrong. Yeah, and that made and it even the, creepier for me. And, and maybe the, it just was visually distracting for me. Maybe because it did look wrong. I was I couldn't figure out the science behind how the, the Sonics works. So. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I liked it better before they were seen. So well, Sammy, the Sonics were a basketball team from. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Okay, yeah, the Sonics. They're in Oklahoma City now. Oh, they moved Oklahoma. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All righty, gentlemen. You ready to throw some awards at this thing? Let's do it. Let's do it. Be quiet. Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. Okay. I've, well, I've got the best performance. Okay. Um, Emily Blunt won this thing, man. Uh, she had to do so much of the heavy lifting in this movie. And it's not a big, loud, flashy performance, but she had to show uh, just a lot of subtle moments. Like the like the scene where she's in like the, the homeschool classroom and she's teaching her son. And she has to be, you know, that charming mom. I mean, she's she's you know, has that great relationship with her kid, despite the horrifying circumstances. Um, and when she's in labor and <laughs> running from monsters um, and still trying to be somewhat quiet. I mean, and the way she interacts with her husband and I mean, it's just, she, I mean, it, it blew me away. Um, it's a, it's a small, quiet movie um, with a lot of quiet scenes it requires a lot of subtlety. And I felt like every time she was in front of the camera, she was doing something interesting. I mean, there were no boring moments with her in front of the camera. So, Emily Blunt, best performance. All right. Well, you're not wrong. Um, Emily Blunt does carry a big, a big chunk, a big weight of this movie. Uh, and yeah, her situation is quite intense. Um, I went a slightly different way. Uh, one because of you know being a father. Feeling the weight of the situation this guy's in. Plus, also, he was also the director of this thing. And I can't imagine how hard it would be to direct yourself in a scene. You know, to put yourself in that in that situation under that scrutiny. Especially, now, this was his first time out, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, directing probably a couple episodes of The Office, maybe. But, yeah, but, yeah I mean, it's for a, for a feature film. Um, I'm going with uh, John Krasinski, uh, Lee Abbott. He really... Um, shouldered a big weight. I, I felt, uh, you know, with the the burden he was he was to care for his family, to make things right, to protect them, to you know, to repair the hearing aids, to make sure that the you know things were just just so. And uh, he he really impressed me. And not having experience with him in the office, but knowing he's coming from a comedic role into this really heavy dramatic role, um, kind of. That was cool. You know, I, I kind of went the same way. So uh, for, I went with John Krasinski also. Uh, and it was only because of the fact, like I said, I kind of, you know, softballed that one, very lobbed it very much so, uh, that Krasinski was, you know, GM. And I just saw him as GM. <laughs> oh, there we go. Sorry, guys. It's been a while. <laughs> One moment, I'll pull over and I'll finish that thought. All right. No. <laughs> Someone's not sheltering in place. No, they're not. Um, <laughs> w- welcome to my world. But so to be able to buy, he, you know, John Krasinski as Lee Abbott and not Jim, to be able to buy him and to get his character in this post-apocalyptic world that really had a lot of convincing for me, and I think he did it, and that's why I went with that. Now, do keep in mind, I am president of the Emily Blunt fan club and will always be, and this is why I will constantly, no matter what Marvel and Disney do, will say they need to be Reed Richards and Sue Storm, but <laughs> bring them in together. Let's just get both lead parts in Fantastic Four, but to me, he, he brought it because he had to change. He had to convince me. I knew she could do drama. 
And when that nail went her foot. Oh. <laughs> that was tough. <laughs> the way she had to pry her foot off. Yeah, oh. that, that, that was tough. Oh. And see, I'd seen this movie already, and I still didn't look forward to that scene alone. So, all right. So there's my best performance. Long way around. Well, on best scene, I know you're talking about the nail in the foot. And that was something that was kind of spoiled in the trailers. Uh, I remember seeing that. And, you know, you kind of have the premise. They have to be silent. Or, you know, and she's walking down these steps. And the nail goes in. You're like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I just um, think about stubbing my toe when the kids are in the bed. <laughs> you know, try not to, you know, wake everyone in the house up with a, uh, you know, sounding like uh, someone who don't know English. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the best scene of this thing, there is so many, and I've really, really waffled back and forth between a few. But I'm going to go with, oh gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm even changing my mind now. <laughs> no, no, I'm sticking with it. Because um, I know I know another one's going to be mentioned. I, I love the encounter on and out just outside the corn silo involving the truck. Um, that that encounter there, um, where you know they're they're faced with the monster. They're trying to you know they're falling into the corn. They're sinking like a sinking sand. They get up on the door, and then the monster comes, and then you know they go outside the truck and the. The sacrifice that happens there, and they put the truck in neutral and roll home. You know that really is a gut punch. Yep. Yeah, they were children of the corn for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm gonna go next because I'm absolutely cheating. Um, I'm picking the final conflict, which is from the moment Emily Blunt, Blunt's water breaks. Until she blows the head off of the Daredevil alien. All of that. I'm picking, <laughs> I know it's like 45 minutes, like half the movie. That, that was like our Winter Soldier best scene, right? <laughs> yes. All of that. When, because I think, I, I think it's the night before we see the calendar, right? And she's like a week and a half away mm-hmm. from the due date. And mm-hmm. so I'm not expecting that. And so when her water breaks, it was like, oh no. Oh, yeah. No. And because nope, the, the daughter is gone. Nobody's husband, home. husband and son is gone. Like she, I'm like, oh, 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 gosh. I've seen, I've got two kids. I've seen how this, this is not a quiet process. And she's alone. And we know the nails downstairs and then everything starts happening. And mm-hmm. it just keeps ratcheting up the tension. Oh, yeah. That pressure cooker goes into high gear. And I'm, I'm not joking. I was tired. My body had been clenched tight for so long. <laughs> I was tired by the time this was over. And it is one of the most tense and powerful climaxes I've ever seen. So I'm picking the final conflict. Okay. Awesome. Um, you know, Dwayne had alluded to the idea of, you know, as a father and and wanting to protect and stuff like that. And I think I've got to go to, to that a scene that, that kind of alludes to that. But it's a much more subtle scene at the waterfall between yes. Liz and Marcus. I love that because he is realizing and, and Jamie, you talked about that, you know, Marcus has this fear and this anxiety and Lee as his father has to be able to help him through this. You know, it's almost like society has become hunters and gatherers again. And in order to be able to survive, you have to know how to do these things. And just that, that scene at the waterfall, just to showing him that you can let loose you, it's okay to be afraid. It, it, it's just, he has to help his son. And I just thought that was so heartwarming. It was so touching. Um, he has to push past that fear. And I think that's a pivotal scene for what comes later when, you know, Marcus has to do the more heroic, you know, things for his mom and to help her out. And I can see him becoming, you know, the man of the house and, you know, and the protector now. I can see him feeling that role better. So, yeah. So, yeah, the waterfall scene is definitely one that I would go. Yeah, that was that was very, very good scene. Very, very good scene. All right, so next is best character. And yes. Sammy, who do you have? Uh, best character, Reagan Abbott. Um, 
Millicent Simmons does such a good job as the daughter. Um, she plays this role superbly. You know, I don't know if if she actually uh, is deaf. I, I wasn't able to find that or see that. I don't know if that, that came up or not. But if she doesn't have some type of, of hearing disability or something to that effect, she's definitely done her research uh, to be able to play a very strong and compelling part. I mean, her range of emotions it, it just adds such so much depth to her as a character. So best character for me would definitely be the daughter, Reagan. So. Well, uh, Sammy, I'm going to jump on that exact same boat. Uh, so we, we are agreeing on best performance and best character, Reagan Abbott. And uh, this, this young lady really shows some, some maturity, some, uh, you know, really see on her body language and stuff, the weight that she carries is guilt for her brother's death, the reaching and trying for her, her father's approval and, and love and forgiveness that she feels that she hasn't been awarded that you really see that weight on her. And, uh, you know, we, uh, you, you, we often mention about, you know, there's something we don't know if only there was a way we could know. So while you were going on there, I got on IMDB here <laughs> and, um, she is an actress from bountiful Utah. When she became deaf at 12 months old, okay. her mother decided the entire family would learn American Sign Language. So much like the Abbots in this movie, they're all communicative in uh, sign language. So, and, and she is a, a hearing impaired actress. Okay. So that's that's something that she uh, definitely has uh, some some experience with. Um, and yeah, she just portrays this this character so well and so beautifully. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm um, cheating a little bit on my best character. Um, I couldn't decide between Emily Blunt and John Krasinski, who I liked more in this movie. So I decided to divide and conquer. And so I gave Emily Blunt the best performance award, and I gave John Krasinski <laughs> my best character award. Yeah, well, hey, do, do, do you work for the Academy? <laughs> For the best picture and the best director, and they split that up. So. Um, yeah. But I, I love the protective impu- impulse he, he shows, and and I, I feel it, man, because, I mean, like I said, I'm a dad, too, and um, I get it. You know, if I, I can't imagine being in that kind of unrelenting danger, the pressure that would put on any adult in that situation, mm-hmm. and the protective impulses that most, you know, most dads have shamefully not every dad um but most dads feel i mean it's it's all over him the way he interacts with his kids some of the strain that he shows um Mm -hmm. i love the the way that the lingering grief affects him like he still loves his kids and he shows it but also like it it shows i mean you can see that he's still impacted by losing his son and it's weighing on him heavily and then all that awkwardness the, the mingled hope and, and fear and love the new baby's bringing into the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and the moment of sacrifice is so powerful. Um, I just, I love this character. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't know anybody's name except for the subtitles, but yeah, he's Lee. It's the <laughs> one I remembered. <laughs> yeah, Lee. Lee is my, is my best character. Well, right. When you said you were kind of cheating and you couldn't decide between the both of them, I thought you were going to ship their names maybe with like a, <laughs> Yeah, Jimily Strzinski <laughs> or something. Jim Jimily Blondinsky. No, so. I, I did the divide and conquer method. Um, there you go. Well, our next award is best quote, and this is either harder or easier because it's the quiet place. <laughs> not a lot to choose from. Um, but I, I think there's a clear winner. Um, and it's. When he's he's been after he's been mauled, and um, and the, the, his daughter he's got the most strange relationship with the one that she she doesn't she she feels guilty and, and she feels like he blames her for the youngest son's death, and he knows he, he's about to sacrifice himself and he signs to her that he says I love you I've always loved you, and that I mean that's the best quote in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was mine also. Um, 
just because it is so powerful and it is such a a build up and we the family dynamic like you said from the the youngest son and and her guilt his guilt you know he couldn't save his son you know she felt you know the daughter feels bad for for giving him the toy and and to get to that realization um and like i said even though it's in sign language when he says i love you i've always loved you i mean it's just a, it's just a gut punch when he makes that sacrifice so I, i'm definitely on board with you jamie on on best quote well i'm going to go a little bit of a different way here i'm going to but that you're not wrong with that most definitely <laughs> but a, a, a thing that that i think uh, this movie brought a lot to and really as as being a parent you know Emily Blunt, uh, you know, her character is speaking to, to John Krasinski. And she says, after she, uh, you know, I think it's after she gives birth and she's awake and she says, who are we? Mm-hmm. We can't even protect them. How are we going to make them okay? Please promise me you'll protect, you know. And it's and I think it's a crying of play that every parent has, you know, let me protect these precious lives we've been given with, you know. And uh, that that really moved me, yeah. um, as that uh, as as being a, a a quote. But you know, another time that the room got really dusty as we lead into our next uh, two awards, which are the movie specific. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there was a few times that it got pretty dusty. It, there was a, there was some things that really had a lot of weight to it, and. You know, you guys alluded to it with the best quote. You know, I love you. I've always loved you. You know, it's it's Lee's sacrifice at the truck. His his interaction there with with Reagan, just just steal. You know, rip your heart out. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna agree with you and go a little bit further. Um, now I joke about the room getting dusty sometimes because you know we're all we're all all of us are dudes here and we don't like to admit that we've ever cried once in our <laughs> lives. Um, so I've got code for it. <laughs> but from the second he gets up and is limping out there, and I was like, oh no, oh no, I think I know where this is going. And then when he, when he signs those words to her, it just it's waterfalls, man. <laughs> just broke me. I haven't cried that hard since the first time I saw Interstellar. Um, <laughs> I cried like a baby, a hungry, angry baby. I mean, it was awful. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it, I mean, from the whole thing, from like when he gets mauled to the, I mean, it lasts a while. I stayed emotional for a long yeah. time. Yeah. It, it carries. It, it was intense. And, you know, following up with that, as far as my award for the, the best, uh, got dusty moment comes after that when Reagan goes into the basement and sees all the work that her dad had been doing for Mm -hmm. her, you know, just, she realizes just how much he really did love her and wanted the best for her that he had looking at all the failed attempts, all of the pieces, him studying the human ear just the emotion in her body language, uh, yeah. that scene definitely, you know, I, I could really start welling up there just even thinking about that. So, and what I, a cool little, I was still twist. crying from earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. And what a cool little twist that it was that the hearing aids that he was making her that never really worked yeah. right. And yep. this one's feeding back whenever these these creatures are around, ends up saving their lives. Yeah, like I said, that's that little Twilight Zone twist, I think. Yeah, just you know, and that's those what little, I little things. About it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just those little things in there. Yeah, great. This is this is a cleverly written movie. Yeah, definitely. So, as far as awards, we're going from best dusty moment to best pucker up tense moment <laughs> so we're going two totally different ends of the spectrum really here uh so i guess i'm leading <laughs> off on this one um jamie you talked about with your best scene from the moment our water breaks all the way to the end right well there's one scene in the middle of that that i was like oh gosh and that's with the flooded basement 
and it's already tense. The basement's flooding. She she's trying to get to the baby. The creature's coming down the steps. But it ratchets up the moment that creature goes under the water. The moment it submerges, it's like, oh, God. (laughs) You know, right away, it just like ratchets it up right there. You know, when you see him go, and it's so quiet. It's not like he's diving in. It's just like that. (laughs) And it's like, where's it going to come out? (laughs) So, yeah, I was on my edge of the seat there. Uh, mine's a few minutes earlier and it's the bathtub scene. She crawls into the bathtub and, um, we had, um, one, one of our, uh, kids had a rough delivery. And when I saw how much she was bleeding, I got scared for her. I'm like, that Mm -hmm. is not normal. That's not, that's not healthy. This is not good. I was like, so suddenly I'm thinking, because, I mean, just by the laws of how movies work, the pregnant lady's going to be okay. <laughs> you don't kill the pregnant lady. <laughs> and then I saw all that blood. I was like, oh, no, all bets are off. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then the monster comes up the stairs, and he's clawing up the wall. And the way he's clawing the walls is so creepy, and that she's, like, you know, suppressing her screams. That, for me, was – I was just – I mean, I almost got cramps during that scene, man. I was so tense and tightened up. It was, it was tough. That was the worst one for me. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm completely cheating on this one. I'm uh, completely going off of uh, the most puckered up moment to the most puckered up last, you know, section of the movie. And I'm taking Jamie's best scene. So from the water break on, you know, from the water break on until, until even after the gunfire even after she blows that thing's head off and it's laying there and it goes to credits and I'm like, give me more. What are you mean? You're stopping now. You know, there's more of these things we didn't. You know, so I'm just completely tripping out you from the moment her water broke. And like you said, Jamie, uh, seeing these births and yeah, you see that much blood. You're like, Oh my gosh, something is not right. And it really makes you fear for her. And then, you know, when the baby comes, it's not going to be a silent thing. And that whole tension of, is it here? How is she keeping it quiet? You know, what's, what's going on? And, and yeah, those revelations, oh my gosh, I was, yeah, this movie will exhaust you. (laughs) (laughs) This, this movie will wear you out. It will definitely wear you out. But that, that's my most, uh, my, my best, you know, tense puckered up moment. But speaking of being puckered up, maybe his face we would all like to pucker up and smooch a bit <laughs> is our Keanu Reeves, that beautiful bearded, long-haired man, has to be a connection to this quiet place. Jamie, where in a movie with seven people credited, where is Keanu? Well, you would think a movie made in 2018 um, wouldn't have that many problems with the Keanu connection. Um, this was a really tough one. Like you, like you already mentioned, the cast is really small. I was hoping one of those old people from out of the house would help me out. <laughs> uh, nothing. Um, hoping he would have been in something with Emily Blunt. Yeah, the cast and crew is even smaller than usual. Um and there was an additional problem. Most outside of Jim from the office, whose you know background is comedy, everybody else in this movie has worked in the horror genre. <laughs> Keanu doesn't do a lot of horror, um, and so it was tough. But I did a good solid hour into the process. Oh well, wow. of IMDb. Um, I found a an overlooked aspect of filmmaking that was our rescue <laughs> this moment. These were the fireworks going off in the distance that rescued us from not having a Keanu connection. Um, so assistant and second unit directors don't get a lot of credit. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Foley artist. But... <laughs> I was worrying about catering. But the first is, well, the one the most, this is like a tight knit group that made this movie. A lot of them have worked on like the same three, you know, low budget horror movies. 
Um, but the first assistant director, and that is his official title, the first assistant director on A Quiet Place has also worked on non-horror stuff. He worked on Ocean's 8, Bright, Justice League, and one of our favorites, Baby Driver, The Hunger Games, and Walk the Line. Thankfully, he had a huge filmography. <laughs> John R. Saunders, the first assistant director on A Quiet Place, bailed us out. He has worked with Keanu on all three John Wick movies. So John R. Saunders, the first assistant director on A Quiet Place, is our Keanu. <gasps> all right. Thank goodness for people having other jobs. Glad, <laughs> glad that the first AD showed up. <laughs> oh, my gosh, man. Okay, I, I started getting scared because everybody's had like you know a short filmography and they're all horror movies. I'm like, Keanu doesn't do horror. <laughs> So, yeah, I, so I, when I clicked there. on his name in this huge filmography over them, like, I've got a chance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, mercy. Well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we've got another Ring of Honor movie. It's been a while since it's cool. been in there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm afraid Dwayne's going to nitpick us again next week, though, because our next quest is Clue. Um. I've, I've already, as I'm, you know, thinking back through the movie, movie, I'm seeing some minefields that might, um, might, you know, set off some of, you know, Dwayne's wait, new, uh, wait you know, film critic awards, uh, not awards, but like clue, the mines. Clue yeah. the movie. I thought yeah. we were going to play the board game. <laughs> I was wondering how this would work on Skype with all of us in different locations. <laughs> I, I, I thought you said clueless. I was thinking about at least Silverstone. So. Okay. <laughs> Ah, you know what? You bring that up. I will. I mean, I was a very young person when that came out, but I have very fond memories of Clueless. I'm not ashamed <laughs> to admit that. Well, that's Paul Rudd, isn't it? Yeah, he's aged about six months since he. And he looks Clueless. the same. Yeah, looks just about the same. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the movie Clue is next up on our uh, w- review episodes, and uh, if you guys are curious about the Clue, it can be found currently on Amazon Prime. That again. I've got and that's another one I've got an old copy of. I've got one of the flip box ones. Oh, one of the flip <laughs> ones. Yeah, nice. I was worried about this when I seen Clue on the schedule. I was like, oh, this is going to be a tough find. But Amazon Prime has not let me down. So as you guys search out Clue, you can either choose Mr. Green, Colonel Mustard, Professor Plum, but always. As you're around the house, whether you're in the laboratory, the kitchen, or the ballroom, Jamie. We're going to keep our eyes out for the butler and keep it nerdy. <laughs>